Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you could turn to Acts chapter 6, we'll be looking at the first seven verses. Once again, as Joanna mentioned, if you uh, download our app, all our notes are there. We're just so excited to be able to use uh, our new app and all the different functions that we have. The old app was good, but this is even better. And so it's going to consolidate a lot of the things that we need. And so we're excited for this. And uh, they're trying to customize different things for us. So we just praise God for that. Another thing is you got to check out the new website. I, that's all I'm saying. Now, there's a difference between on your phone and on, a, wow, a monitor that big. This is exciting. So you look at it on your monitor. Look at it on your monitor. It will transform your life. So uh, go ahead. When you go back home, you can check out our new website. And we're going to send all our information out there. And so that we can be up to date and up to speed of all that God is doing. So please keep that in mind so you can download our app, as I mentioned uh, before. Uh, those of you who are joining us for the first time, in the last two weeks, we have been going over this series called Create Space. And the reason why we're doing it is because we're actually trying to prepare and get ready for this new season of ministry. It's really hard to believe that in about a week or so, it's going to be celebrating our fourth year anniversary here in Hong Kong, our church. And just God has been doing some great things, and we are utterly humbled and thankful for the privilege to be a part of it in the front row and to see all that God is doing. And as we look ahead now, we realize we are entering into a whole new season. There's going to be a new a crop of people who are students who are going to be joining us. There are a lot of new families and different people and single adults who are working here in Hong Kong who will be joining us. So we as a church, we want to create space and to prepare for all that God is going to do. And that's why part one, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about creating space for growth and how that's very important, that we can't just stay stagnant, but we want to create that space for more growth so we can see not only people experiencing the gospel, but we can say that come and experience with us together all that God is doing. Last week, I talked about the importance of creating space for community and how that is a vital part to the life of our church. It's not just on Sundays, even though Sundays are great, but where church really happens is in our life group, which is our small group ministry, where you will experience life in a, in a powerful way. And we pray that all of you will participate with us in that. Today, we're closing out the series and we're talking about creating space for servanthood. What does it mean to serve? And why do we need to serve as we look ahead into the future? So I want to start off just having us think about this question. I'm wondering if you remember a time where you either served or shared something with someone and other people around you. And you just found great joy in seeing their face or just seeing the happiness that you just brought them. And not only that, but if you think about it for a moment, that not only seeing them happy, that oftentimes it reciprocates back to you and you realize you find joy in serving other people because as they find joy, you find joy in your own heart. You know, we live in a world that it's getting harder to find people who care enough to share and to serve. And to be able to do it beyond themselves, no strings attached, nothing that you can benefit from it, but simply that you care and that you want to serve. And every single day, I believe that there are so many opportunities to serve and to help other people. But too often, whether it's we're busy or we're apathetic or we feel like someone else is going to do it, we just leave a lot of these opportunities just left unmet. All these different needs. And I think living in a city like Hong Kong where everything is so fast paced, you don't have time to pause and to see the needs around us. I'm wondering what would happen if you were given not only the opportunity, but you were also given the means to meet that opportunity. I'm wondering what you would do. I'm wondering if some of us will do something about it. If you saw the opportunity and you also had the means to do it. I want to show you this quick video uh, that was made. It was like a commercial that was made by Kleenex, uh, the tissue brand. And they decided to start this campaign of sharing. 
And their premise was, or they wanted to see simply that if there was a need in front of them, would people meet that need, especially if they had the opportunity and the means to meet that? And so they did this really interesting commercial, and they made this product to force people, well, not force people, but to encourage people, because they have it in front of them, a means to meet that need and to see if they would do it. So I want you to see the reaction of some of their faces. And, of course, they always have actors in there to play the part. But they wanted to see how the public would respond. So let's watch this together. <laughs> what a great way to make friends. <laughs> when I first watched this, I'm like, when, you know, when people are like, I'm like, that's Hong Kong people. <laughs> but uh, as you can tell, uh, when they had the opportunity and they had the means in which to meet that opportunity, you see that many people gave, and they served in that way. Isn't it amazing when you, when you think about the human nature? So often we don't want to serve. We don't want to care. We don't want to share. It's because our lives are marked by selfishness, and it's about my time, my money, my resources, my talents, and we forget that God has created us and wired us up in such a way that we have such great joy when we actually learn how to think and live beyond ourselves. I think in essence, this is the gospel message. That God has set us free from sin and death. And because of that, now we have the freedom to choose. We're no longer bound by the works of the world or Satan. Now we are set free and we are able to choose, and the ability to choose entails to choose to love God, to love people, and even to choose to serve others around us. And that's why out of gratitude of all that Christ has done, that now we, in that freedom that we have, we are choosing to love and serve others so that they can experience God's love as well. But we have to remember that having the ability to serve is really God's grace. Because you can try to serve on your own, but you're going to run out of that desire and that energy. Everything that we do must be done in faith because we love God and it is just the appropriate response to the gospel message. Listen to what Richard S. Emrich said. He says, living for others, commitment to God's redeeming purposes is a means of grace. We give because of our faith, and our faith deepens as we give. If we permit ourselves and our people to give casually, we are really teaching content. I thought that was such a powerful reminder for all of us, that it really is an act of grace when you give. And it's an act of faith. Because you're giving because God has given to you. And so now when you give and serve, it just demonstrates what God is doing in your life. And when we just continue to just give casually or whenever we want to, whenever it's convenient, what we're saying is, God, your gift to us wasn't that great. And that's why we're teaching people contempt. I hope and pray that we will be generous people in all that we do because we have experienced the richness of God's grace. And I'm praying that all of us here will create space in our hearts and in our church so that we can grow in this grace of servanthood so that others can experience God's love. So I want to look into this passage and talk about two specific things so that we can understand when it comes to creating space for servanthood in our church. The first point that I want to highlight for us is that God positions us for ministry that God positions us for ministry let's go ahead and read verse 1 hopefully you've turned to Acts chapter 6 if you don't have a Bible you can read on with somebody next to you and it says this in the word of God I'm going to look at the first verse it says this now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, let me just pause here to give us some context so we can understand how, how God positions us for ministry. 
right away from the start of this chapter, we notice that the church in Jerusalem was growing. I mean, the Spirit of God was working powerfully. Listen to what the message translation says of verse 1. It says this, during this time as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds. So we're not just talking about one or two people joining their community. We're talking about hundreds. And later on, you'll notice thousands were at, being added to their number. People were experiencing this gospel message and lives were being powerfully transformed. And we have to keep in mind that after the account of Acts chapter 2, if you remember the Spirit of God fell on Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, there was this rapid growth. It wasn't a linear growth. It was an exponential growth that began to happen. Let me give you some verses to help you to see that. And one of the things we like to do in our church is that whenever you see a verse and there's a yellow part, we want the whole church to read it together. That's my way of making sure you're not falling asleep. I'm just kidding. Just read along with me because I want you to use all your senses. So look at, uh, look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 in the NIV. It says this. Those who accepted the, his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A little bit further, you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're not talking about every other Sunday, maybe every other day, but we're talking about daily Every single day within a 24-hour period, people who are coming to know Jesus, hearing the gospel message, were being added every single day. A little bit further in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, listen to what it says. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. This is just men. There are women and even children. So we're talking about thousands and thousands of people were just being added onto their number. Because God was doing something incredible. Acts chapter 5 verse 14. Let's read it together in the yellow. It says this. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. It kept on growing. But with any kind of growth, there are always growing pains. I remember when we started the church in um, University of Michigan. We just really had a great heart for the college students. But from there, as they started getting older, we started reaching out to the single adults. And they started getting married. So we started reaching out to the families and having kids. And our church just began to grow even within that first four to five years. And it was exciting because every single week, and we just heard testimonies of people's lives being changed. And we were excited. We are like, this is what we can give our lives for. I mean, there's so many things we could do in this world, but if I could give my life to do something like this, to be a part of what God is doing, then it's going to be worth it all. And we just saw so much growth. And with growth came so much of the growing pains of trying to lead the church and trying to make sure that all of the needs of the people were being met. And just in confession, it was hard because we were very lock and load and focused on certain aspects of our ministry. But we realized that as p different people from different backgrounds were coming, the needs were increasing. And the number of the leaders that we had, we didn't have enough for the growth that we were experiencing. The different needs that we had in our church so we can meet the needs of the people. We didn't have enough ministry team to be able to have people serve in. Or even just a number of servants who can come and say, you know what, I want to give my time. I want to give my treasure. And I want to give my talents, the things that I can do to help build up the church and meet some of those needs. There were people in our church back then who were not getting disciples, so we just started seeing a lot of Sunday church goers. They would just sit there, listen to the message, sing some songs, give their offering, and just leave. And they were not getting disciples. And so as we began to see this, we said, something has to change. And so we had to majorly rethink about how to meet the needs of the people that are coming. For the early church, as we just read, with all this growth, there was some disunity and disdain that they had for one another. And the main cause, as we look at chapter 6, was probably discrimination uh, between the Hellenist Jews. And those are the, peop the Jewish people who spoke Greek, the Hellenist Jews. And then those people were being overlooked and shown, and favoritism were shown to the Hebraic Jews, those who spoke Hebrew. And those who were a little bit more on the in crowd. 
So you got to try to imagine the church, they were a tight group of people. The Holy Spirit came. It just started exploding. More people came. Different types of people started coming. And some of those people who were the original members, they started feeling uncomfortable. Because all these people were different. Listen to what it says in the message translation. It says, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, Hellenists, towards the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. One thing you have to keep in mind is that even though the Greek-speaking and the Hebrew-speaking Jews were both Jews, their cultures were different. Therefore, this led to a lot of racial tension. The best way I could describe it is some of you, have you heard of the ABCs? The American-born Chinese and then the Chinese. And they're both Chinese. I mean, we're all from Mongolia, supposedly, or somewhere. But, you know, they're both Chinese. But if you ever meet an ABC and you meet a, a Chinese national, I mean, they look alike. Well, kind of. If you think about a 1.4 billion people, somebody's supposed to look alike. But anyway, uh, here they are. And you're like, you're Chinese, you're Chinese. But if you've ever met an ABC, you realize they are so different. And also, if you met a Chinese national, they're so different. Now, some things are still the same. No, I'll pay. No, you pay. Now, you know, they're going back and forth. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Or what I have experienced, even the Korean Americans with the Koreans. And we still try to buy dinner for our birthdays. But, you know, there's a lot of different things that are culturally completely different. And that's what was going on here in this church. And due to some of the discrimination, mistrust began to brew. And the Grecian Jews, the Hellenists, began to complain because they were being marginalized as the widows were being overlooked. Now, with this issue and this problem in the church, it really was an opportunity for God to work. And that's what I want you to see, how God positions us for ministry. Let's continue and read verse 2 and 4. It says this. And the 12, being the 12 apostles, the disciples, summoned the full number of the disciples, the other people, the other believers, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, there are two things that we learn about how God uses this opportunity to use us for ministry. The first thing I want you to see here in verses 2 through 4 is that we all have a role to play. Everyone say that. We all have a role to play. The apostles gathered all the other disciples and they had this talk. And they quickly acknowledged, as we have seen here, as we've read, that there was a problem. Okay, there is a problem. That's one of the first steps in order to change things. you got to admit that there's a problem. And they began to recognize and try to figure out what are our priorities. What are we supposed to do in the midst of this problem? The main issue that I want you to understand was that because of all the complaints, the apostles could not do what they were supposed to do which was simply to spend time in, the, in prayer and also in the preaching of the word. That was their main calling. That was their main ministry. Now, even though, as I mentioned earlier, the issue might have been racial or with food distribution, but the real problem was that the mission of God was being impeded. It was being slowed down. So the apostles were being so consumed with this that they could not be faithful with prayer and the preaching and the spreading of the gospel. Now, I need to make sure that all of us are clear on this. It is important that we don't misunderstand, we, we, that we totally don't miss this. This is important. We don't misunderstand verse 2. And as you read this, it's easy to think that ministry of preaching and prayer are the most important ministries over serving tables. That is not what Luke, the author of Acts, is trying to say. He is not saying that preaching and prayer is more important than serving uh, the tables or serving the food. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, you will notice that 
everyone's role is important. The main point is that each person has a different role to play in the body of Christ. You see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 6a. As I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, and you read it in the yellow. Listen to what it says. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things things well another translation of it it says this let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we're not or we aren't right it's easy to look at the person up here and say wow they have the most important role not necessarily somebody set up the chairs Somebody set up all these equipments, got everything ready. Even for us to be here and experience what we're experiencing, every single person has a role. And one is not greater than the other. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, and also in verse 18 through 20, and then verse 27, it reminds us of this again. It says, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Just think about that for a moment. That each one of us have a very important role to play in our church. There are gifts and talents that you have that I do not have. There are people that you're able to reach out to in your workplace that I cannot. There are people that you are on a floor with a bunch of other students, your age, your peers. That would be weird if I started sleeping over, you know, in these dorms. But you know what I'm talking about. There are people that you are in contact with that I am not. There are families in your neighborhoods and different places where you live where I'm not. And all I can say is this reminds me how much we need each other. Uh, I remember when um, back in the early 2000s, I decided to start a blog. And a lot of people, this is before the blogging days. I, you know, I, I wanted to be a pioneer and I got my name.com.net.org because I didn't want anyone to take my name. So I, I got a, a blog, a website, and I remember people were like, why are you doing that? What's going on? And so, you know, whenever something's new, a lot of people always have objections. But once now, everyone does it. We don't even think about it, right? And, and so I decided to write a blog, and the main reason was because our church was growing. A lot of people didn't really know me. They just saw me as a head figure up there just talking. So I decided to use that blog, uh, number one, to be able to share a little bit from my life so people can feel that they uh, are able to get to know me in that way. Just, just ordinary stuff of life. And also to share some of the convictions and different things that I feel like God is wanting for our church. And there were different issues that were coming up around the world that I wanted to kind of speak into to kind of see where the Bible has, what the Bible has to say about those issues. So I started this blog, but the problem was this. I didn't know HTML. And some of you are so blessed. I realize that every year that passes by, technology makes us dumber and dumber and dumber. Now we have WordPress. You just have to pick and choose your modules and, you know, just type in that thing and click, and it's all there. But back then, we didn't have any of that stuff. We had to, like, design things and then code it in. I don't know how many coders we have, but, man, I, I was like, y'all do your thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's not my thing. I go, you guys do your thing. And so what would happen is this. When I get an inspiration from God, I'll be like, wow. Then I'll start typing. And then I will send this Word document, sometimes in an email for short enough. I will send it over to one of our staff guys who was a geek. He was a nerd. So he loved coding and all that kind of stuff. So what would happen was that I would get this inspiration to write something. And then I would send it over to this guy who knew how to code. And then he would code it in. And then voila, it will be on my blog. And there were many times when I would send it and just at least within the next four to five hours, you know, as time permitted, uh, he would put it up. 
But there were certain seasons when I would send it over and then it just wouldn't be up. You, you know me, click, click, what's going on? Click, click, refresh, refresh. And it wasn't showing up. And, you know, you, you want to give some grace and, and they're probably busy, you know, so you just didn't say anything. But there was time when it was like five, six, um, almost like a whole day in the evening passed by. So I would just say, hey, it seems like you're busy. You know, the, the Asian passive aggressive way. Hey, are you busy? You know, instead of like, where's the blog, man? So anyway, so you're just like, hey, how are things going? And, and they were like, oh, I'm swamped. And, and so this kept on happening because, you know, as you know, doing ministry and doing other stuff, ministering to people takes time. So guess what I did? I said, I'm going to code. So I literally learned HTML. Because I said, I'm not going to be dependent on you because you're not doing your job. You know, and that's my brain. I'm just saying, I'm going to do it myself. So I opened, I go, just teach me how to open this thing up. I looked at it. All I saw was backspace, dot, dot, semicolon. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I literally, I was drawing a blank. I'm like, I remember doing Fortran. You guys know? That's long, long time ago when I was in college. And I'm like, I don't remember anything. I just remember trying to send it by 11.59, you know, in the, in the evening so I can get credit for this. But I'm like, I do not understand this. So I literally read up on it. I opened it up and I figured out this is where you put the, the text in between like the arrow thing. And I'll, and I'll go, okay. So I started doing it. And you know what happened? It took so much time that my sermon started going down. Like, it took so much time that I couldn't put the time and effort to do my sermons and do other things. Like, Pastor said, you want to meet up? No, I can't meet up. <laughs> I, 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 I got to figure this thing out. <laughs> and so what happened was, I was spending so much time on this. I mean, we're talking about late nights and several nights at a time that I wasn't being faithful to what I was called to do as the lead pastor of HMCC. And every single week, whenever I didn't spend enough time on the preaching of the word or preparing of the word, I was giving our church members almost like leftovers. And I realized this wasn't right. This is kind of what's going on here. Not to say that serving tables and giving food was not important. It is a very important thing. But we all have different roles. That's why I don't know about you, but once you check out the website, all of you are going to be like, wow. Because I was like, wow. And it's hard to wow me. But I'm like, wow. And I just want and those of you who don't know, these guys all have full-time jobs. They're, they're working. And all they do want to do is just eat and just relax. But they stayed up, I heard, a couple nights, all-nighters, to finish this by today so that we can get ready to serve people who will come to our church. The creative communication teams that we have, they spent so much time developing, coding, doing all this stuff all night for the last couple nights and throughout the whole week. What was it, like a couple weeks now? They, because they procrastinate. No, I'm kidding. They... <laughs> I'm kidding. I am kidding. Please, please. But they stayed up all night working on this, and I'm just thinking, they're not even getting paid. I realize that people get paid to do this, like thousands and thousands of dollars to do this, but they're saying that this is for the mission of God, and we want to put our time, our, our talents, and we want to put it in here. And th there's an influencing team, I heard, of who are like on our social media and so it, it forced me to get on Instagram and see what they're doing and all the stuff because they're influencers. And I was like, wow, this is great stuff. And they're doing it because it's all about the gospel. So I don't know about you, but I think we need to give them a hand. Come on, let's do that. Praise God. Go, go check out the website. And Instagram, yes. Let me read you this quote by Kokichi Kurosaki. <laughs> he wrote this book, uh, one, one Body in Christ, 
And in chapter 5, he writes this portion and he says, God is the great conductor and the individual members of the orchestra, namely the whole body of Christ, each play their varying parts on different instruments. But if all follows the conductor, the whole composition will be a complete and beautiful symphony in perfect harmony. Like just think about or an orchestra and con our conductor is God. And that when we are able to listen to him and look to him for direction and we all play our instruments and do our parts, it becomes a powerful thing. How about us this morning? What role do you feel like God is calling you to play in our community? There's no one that says, well, I have no role to play. We all have a role to play. Some of you who are older, you can find ways to mentor some of these other guys. Or other people in our church who are maybe just starting their career. You can give them advice. Help them to watch out for different things. Those of you who are single working adults, there's new college students. Or tell them which majors not to take and which classes that are not good, especially if you're from the same university. There's so many different ways that we can serve. It's not just about coding and doing all this stuff. Like, What is your role in our church? What is it that God is calling you to play? Do you see the needs around you? I'm wondering how many of us think one role is better than the other rather than saying that, no, we all have important roles, but it's different, and we all play in this orchestra together. So I want you to see this. We're talking about how God positions us for ministry, and then we have to understand we all have a role, but I want you to under also understand this quickly, that we all have a responsibility. The apostles told the disciples to choose seven men, uh, seven people who will serve this role. And there were three specific qualifications mentioned for those who were going to serve. And listen to what it says in the NLT. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. Not only do we all have a role to play, but it's a responsibility. These people will be entrusted with the ministry so that it can allow others to do what they're supposed to do in their role. It was a responsibility that they were called to do. Can you imagine if everyone does their part, does their ministry, we can see the whole church not only grow, but we can have all the needs in our church being met. That is such a powerful thought. How about us? Do you take this responsibility of doing ministry seriously, or is this just something that you do? I'm wondering if you're actively doing your part, being responsible and doing your part, because you're seeing people experiencing the gospel message. God positions us for ministry. The second point I want to close out with is this. God not only positions us for ministry, but God positions us for multiplication. That God positions us for multiplication. Let's go ahead and read verse 5 through 6. It says this. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Par, uh, Parmanus, and Nicholas, and a, pros, uh, a proselyte of Antioch. Verse 6. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. A couple things I want you to see here. Those people who are selected to serve. It is very clear, first of all, that they were chosen. In verse 5, we see that people were happy with what the disciples proposed, and they decided to choose these seven people to take on the calling for helping the church. Even though we don't know the process in which the people used to choose these seven, but we do know that they were chosen, listen to me carefully, amongst their peers. This is very important because it means that they were all well-respected and they were trusted. God is not looking for people who have it all together. But he is looking for people that he can trust the ministry to and those people who will serve. And one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is this. If your friends cannot respect you, 
then whatever position and title or whatever you end up doing is not going to be as effective. That's why you have to win the respect and the favor of those around you. I am not saying to be a people pleaser, but you have to live your life in such a way that those people around you will see your life and respect you. And so here are these guys, these seven guys that were chosen amongst their peers. And as God opened some doors in this opportunity, in this door to open up so they can serve, we have to think about our lives. We have to remember that it's God who chooses us. And God entrusts us. And oftentimes, people will know and see, yeah, that makes sense. Because this person has been faithful. This person has been serving. And I, I saw the fruits from their life. I want you to also quickly note this. It's important to see here that all seven of these people had Greek names. Which suggests that they were probably all Hellenists. The group, the party in which in that church were complaining. In fact, it says here, Nicholas was a former Gentile and he converted into the Jewish faith. He wasn't even Jewish. He converted into this Jewish faith and he was from Antioch, which was a very multinational city. This shows that the predominant, uh, the prominent members, uh, or the predominant members, I should say, the Hebrew Jews, decided to choose the Grecian Jews to fulfill this role. This is the kind of trust that we need with others as we serve. So not only were they chosen, but secondly, I want you to note this, they were commissioned. Even though the seven people were chosen by the community, the apostles were the ones that commissioned them. Now, I want you to note here the laying on of hands was, a, was biblically done for various reasons. You will see this all throughout scripture, the laying of hands. Sometimes it was done for benediction. Sometimes it was done for healing when you were praying over someone for healing. Sometimes it was done to impart the Holy Spirit upon a person. And sometimes it was done for ordination when you were ordaining somebody for, for some specific work and service to God. And what I want you to see here is that this practice of laying on of hands on people and praying was to signif uh, signify that commissioning and the granting of authority to another person was very important. So every single time you see the laying of hands and doing this as they were called to serve the tables, it shows that they were being commissioned and they were given the authority. So they can do what they, got, they were called to do. God uses other people's prayers to release his anointing upon us. And he also dispenses spiritual gifts in that manner. I think this is the reason why as a church we're very open to laying of our hands on people and praying for them. And whenever some of you want to receive prayer, I, I would love to pray with you and asking God to anoint you for whatever he has called you to do. And here's Apostle Paul. And as he reminded Timothy, if you remember of this important fact of laying on of hands and how we are to be anointed for this. Apostle Paul reminded Timothy that he must remain faithful in using the spiritual gift and whatever he has received from God. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. It says this, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. I'm wondering for some of us, are there spiritual gifts that God has given to us and we're not using. Let's close with verse 7. And it says there, as we talk about God positions us for multiplication. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Wow. We see here that after these seven answer the call and we were commissioned in this verse as we just read God started to work and there was an increase a multiplication the increase was seen by the number of disciples that were being greatly multiplied in Jerusalem I want you to also note that there was an increase of conversion amongst the Jewish priest 
This shows that the Christians, the Christ followers, were making such a difference even in the different spheres of society. It wasn't just that carpenter. It wasn't just that person who was weaving bags. But it was even the Jewish priests who were coming to know Jesus Christ. People in positions of authority and people in power, they were coming to know Christ. The key thing to note is that the mission of Acts chapter 1, which is being witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of this earth, was slowly getting fulfilled. How, how, how do you know that? How do you say that? Because in chapter 7, which is the next chapter, you don't have to look at it, but in chapter 7, right after this instance, you will notice that the gospel began to spread to the Samaritans and then to the rest of the known world at that time. And guess who were the two people who helped become very catalytic in that movement? It was Stephen and Philip, two of the seven people that God chose and God commissioned. This is such a powerful thought. The Stephen who became a martyr, Philip who became evangelist, they were part of the seven people that were chosen to serve tables because they positioned themselves in such a way to say, God, here I am. Use me for ministry. And they said, here I am, God. Use me to spread the gospel. And we see the multiplication. How about us this morning? Can you imagine what would happen if we realized that we were chosen as God's servants and then we get commissioned to spread the gospel? What would it be like if we started to multiply and we knew that it was God who was anointing us? I'm wondering in what ways is God positioning us as a church or even you in your own personal life so that we can multiply and bring the gospel to so many people? That's why I think this picture is a picture of the gospel. Because if you think about it, it describes us. There's so many different needs, and a lot of times we bicker with one another. We live in a very self-centered world. It's all about us. And here's Jesus Christ, the humble servant who came. The God of the universe came, humbled himself, and he served us. And he says, if you want to be great, you must be a servant of all. Because Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And he served all the way to his death when he died on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven and we could have new life. He demonstrated that for us. He modeled it for us. So we will see what it really means to be a servant. Because when you serve, you create space for other people to experience. And that's what we have experienced. We've experienced God's love. We've experienced other people serving us so that we could be blessed. And now here we are sitting here and we have the freedom. We have been set free. And you have the freedom to choose whether to continue to live self-centeredly or to be able to say with this freedom that I do have, I want to choose to serve. And create space. Pastor, if there's any way that I can serve, just let me know. There are so many different needs in our church. And so many different ways that you can serve and be a part of what God's doing. I pray that you will do that. And that's why the one thing that I want to sum up, everything that I was sharing about with this one thing, and it's simply this. That when we are available to God, we will be unstoppable for God. That when we are available to God, we'll be unstoppable as a church for God and in his mission. Whatever he's calling us to do, whatever opportunities that he is going to give us this coming year, we're going to be able to say, God, help me to be a part of this. Can I just quickly give us some next steps to think about as we depart from this place? The first thing is this, get involved proactively. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Get involved. One of the best ways to do that is first take experiencing membership. Find out more about what our church is about. Become a member. And from there, take experiencing ministry. One of the things we have in this class is we help you to discover what your spiritual gifts are. We share about different needs in our church that you can use your gifts to serve. So be proactive. Sometimes you, you, there's different ways. Every single time I'm up here, I'm talking to some people, and then I hear this announcement of moving the chairs, and I see sometimes chairs, they're weaving inside, you know, trying to get this chair set up. I mean, you don't need a, a big spiritual gift for that. 
You just need a body. Like, like pick up some tables and move out the chairs. Just find ways. Be proactive in serving. The second thing I want to keep in mind is give generously of your time, your treasures, and talents. Find ways to give of yourself. To say, I don't want to use all this stuff and hoard it to myself. I want to give. There's, there's something, there's a blessing that just comes when you're able to bless somebody else. You know, I, I, was, I was so encouraged where there were uh, these families and single adults were so busy. And it was a busy season. And they weren't able to come out to some of the gatherings and serve because we're trying to get some of the older people to help serve the next generation. And they just couldn't because they were busy. And so we understand that. So we're just like, man, you don't have the time to give. But they said, Pastor, we want to give. Like God has blessed me in such a way that I want to give financially. Is there any way that we can help support somebody to go to that thing? Or can we help support, give some food for that? Because that's how I can serve in that way. And just thinking about those kind of opportunities, I'm like, wow, they're actually thinking about finding ways to be generous. Because they can't do it with the time at this moment, but they can do it with their the treasures and the resources that they have. Sometimes, you know, college students, they don't have money. They're always, like, going anywhere free. You know, the first year is, like, free food. You're like, and I'm like, didn't we see you at the other gathering, free food? They're just going to everything that's free. And so they don't have the money, and they have a lot of time. They think that they don't have time, but you have a lot of time. Trust me. Can I get a good amen to those of you in the city ministry? You have a lot of time. You have a lot of time. Trust me. And, and so sometimes they realize, I, I, I can't really give much, but they're like, I can code. And so they use their talents. I, 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 can, I can pick up tables. So they serve in that way. Some fine ways to give generously. And lastly, grow in dependence on God. Grow in dependence on God. Why? Because when we think about doing ministry, we can't do it on our own strength. we got to be able to lean on God, depend on him, to be able to love people and to serve people. I pray that this coming year, we will create space in our church for servants who will serve and build the kingdom of God. I pray that we will be a church that will create space for community so people can actually experience the love of God. And I do pray that we will create space for growth, that we want to see one more person experiencing this awesome gospel message so that we can transform not only Hong Kong, but we can see the world being transformed for the glory of God. I want to close with this last video. It's a 17-year-old Thai girl, a high school student, where she felt so convicted to find ways to serve and to bless people. And can you imagine a 17-year-old? Like, what are you going to do as a 17-year-old? And she decided to do something that was a little bit outside of the box. To find ways to just bless people and to serve people. And you know what happened? That opened up so many opportunities and doors to share about God and the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no uh, subtitles to this or just where you can read. So, uh, you know, Thai accent is very strong. And so as best as possible, we love all the Thai people. Uh, but, but as best as possible, just try to uh, listen and just, just even watch uh, some of the things that she decided to do to serve people in her community. Let's watch it together. Let's stand together as we close. I don't know if you caught that latter portion of what she said. She said, I don't care if people say I'm only I'm too young. I was only 17 years old. But, but I want to do what I can. God didn't give you life. He didn't give you breath. He didn't give you eternal life so that you can just sit there and just live for yourself. That is not the gospel. He gave you life. He gave you the gospel. He gave you eternal life. Freedom set free from sin and death so that your whole life can now serve God. That's why the Apostle Paul says, in view of all of your mercies, God. In view of all of your mercies. To be a living sacrifice. I pray that we will create space in our church for people to serve and to be a blessing to other people. That means you need to respond to say, God, here I am. Help me to be a servant like you were to me. 
Help me to serve and bless other people in the same way that you brought people into my life when I was younger so that I can experience more of your love. That's how we're going to reach Hong Kong. That's how you're going to reach your workplace, your neighborhoods. That's how you're going to reach your campus. Just one person doing a simple thing of just going out there. And I was just, when I first watched it, I was thinking, man, there's on a Sunday, on a given Sunday, there are so many people on the bridges. And they're just talking and hanging out. And it's a language that I, I, I recognize. Some of you speak fluently. But how often we just kind of, oh, they're beneath me or like I'm better than them or you're so busy. Just to simply get a bunch of nail polish and just go out there and serve. I pray that God will give us insights in whatever means, whatever way possible. Lord, help me to be a blessing because I've been blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. We want to do that. Let's get involved. Let's give generously. And let's really grow in dependence on God. Help me, Lord. Help us for your glory. Can we just bow our heads? I'm going to lift us up in a word of prayer. And then we're going to respond as we worship and pray together that God use our church this coming year to just reach one more person with the gospel message. One more person to experience community. One more person to experience your love. Let's create space for that, for the glory of God. So, Father, I thank you just for your example of being a servant. You humbled yourself. You came to this earth, and you served us, and you showed it to the extent of going to the cross and dying on the cross for people like us. So first, we want to say thank you. We are humbled by that. And I just pray, Lord, secondly, that we will not hoard or just selfishly hold everything to ourselves but help us to look out find people who are hurting Lord there's opportunities every single day people we pass by people that we see opportunities where we can do something help us not to be passive but Lord I'm praying that you will motivate us from deep within because we've experienced the gospel message so use us Lord use us we see that you are positioning us even this year for the ministry ahead and for the multiplication that will happen. So help us just to be available to you because when we are, God, we will be unstoppable. Your gospel will go forth. Nothing will hinder it. So do your work, Lord, in all of us. If I can invite you, just take one of your hands and just put it over your heart wherever you feel like that is. And with the other hand, if you could just kind of keep it open like you're about to receive and just, it's open before God. Say, here's my hand. Will you take one minute and just pray to God and say, God, I want to create space in my life and in this church to serve. Help me to see the need and meet that need. So just make it personal between you and God as you're praying over your heart. Because our hearts are selfish, self-centered. But we've got to pray over that and say, God, here are my hands. Or here's my hand. I want to serve. And so just pray that for one minute. And then we'll respond and worship together.